0: What is it about uniting home care that makes it so special?
1: Well, it's the people on our team. That's the difference. We take the time to get to know our clients so we know what type of support they need and we have the experience and expertise to make it happen. No matter what services they require or how complex their needs, we're there
0: for them. If you're looking for support to stay independent in your own home, we're here for you. Visit Uniting.org today or call 1-800-864-846.
2: Oldie Goody is a podcast series created for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a replacement for psychological assessment and treatment. Always consult your own healthcare professional.
3: My 62nd birthday, I, I sat up in bed and said, I know what I want to do. I want to sing in a band. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Oldie Goody, a podcast series that celebrates aging and all that comes with it. What I like about end of life is generally
3: all the garbage falls away and you're left with the core of the person. I'm enjoying myself far too much. I don't I don't want to die. I'm Nikki Buckley,
1: wife and mother of three young men now, but perhaps better known to many of you for my years as television host on the game show Sale of the Century. But now I am so happy to be here as co-host of Oldie Goodie with you, Matt, as we explore some of the interesting life changes we experience as we age. Just because you look a little bit different on the outside doesn't mean that you've changed on the inside.
0: And I'm Matt Ferguson, husband, father of two, surfer, and I work with Uniting. I'm passionate about understanding how we can help people to age well. So, small bouts of physical activity spread throughout the day are considered better for you than doing it all at one time.
1: It's like anything in life if you want to become good at something, you put the time into it. It takes time and it takes work.
0: I'm really excited to be doing this with you, Nikki. I think it's really important that we start a conversation around ageing, that we demystify some cliches, we bust a few myths, and we challenge people's assumptions in this space. After all, there's a lot of misconceptions out there.
1: And I'm equally excited to be here, you know, to share my personal experiences that I've had with ageing and, you know, the death of my mother with the loved ones. And I want to also help champion the way to empower others to be better equipped to deal with ageing, both for themselves, you know, for us as well, and to help their loved ones to deal with it. And let's face it, you know, to find the joy and the positives in ageing because it is inevitable. It happens to the best of us. So let's embrace it. Get on with living and enjoying our best life.
0: Aging champions. I like that. (laughs) Let's get out there and champion aging well. And from my perspective, I've got parents in their 80s. I'm 58. I've got two children under six. And sometimes when I'm out with my kids, people call me grandpa. And it made me angry a couple of times. But then I realized what was making me angry is just the assumption people make when they look at you. And... Hopefully, over the next six episodes, we'll challenge those assumptions and we'll get people to rethink how they look at aging. That leads us into today's episode, which is all about life lessons and wisdom earned.
1: Yes, and today's guest is someone that I am so looking forward to chatting to who quite literally has a whole lifetime of stories to share. Now, this very kind and lovable Ian Smith, he played the role of Harold on Neighbours on and off for, can you believe it, 28
0: years. 28 years. It's incredible. And I remember watching it when I was young. I was a big fan. But he hasn't just been on Neighbours. He was also on Bellbird, Prisoner, Blue Heelers and The Sullivans. And most recently, he was in the Channel 10 series, How to Stay Married.
1: Mm, That is some bio there. So, here he is in the studio. Thank you so much for joining us, Ian. It is so lovely to have such a familiar face in the studio. Thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Don't you get familiar with me, madam.
1: Now, listen, you have had a huge career and there's probably not a household in Australia that wouldn't know you, but let's just wind back the clock a little bit. And may I ask you, do you actually remember like your very first day on the set of Neighbours?
3: I mean, I remember it so clearly. I remember knocking on the front door of the house in Ramsey Street. Mm. And I remember Kylie answered the door, and she was all dressed up, I think, as a clown, and invited me in. But I remember that so, so clearly. I respond to a pat on the head. I don't think anyone doesn't. And I wasn't getting one for a while, for a couple of weeks. I thought, hmm, hell's not working out. I couldn't find that magic thing, you know, mm-hmm. that that it thing. And then one day I did something and the camera crew laughed. And if you can make a camera crew laugh, uh, you're doing all right. They're a hardened bunch of old so-and-sos. And uh, I said, now what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Must so that w- one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So I had to watch the playback before I – it was the podgy, old, slow, stumbling Harold that we ended up with. That's what it was. So I kept doing it and I kept getting laughs. So I said, here we go. We're right. I mean, wow, what
1: an absolutely amazing career.
3: Did I have a magnificent career? I was in a soap. And prior to that, I did one-ups for Crawford's, and I did a lot of one-ups for Crawford's. And I worked for the ABC, uh, did some lovely shows there. They liked me there for a while. Now, all of those things, especially, well, course, I'm a snob, the ABC uh, made me happy to think that I had credit there.
1: I mean, all these years later, you're still working as an actor, and I speak from experience when I know it's a really hard industry at times. I mean, I have a, a very talented brother yes. who is an actor and at, you know, 50-ish, he still, you know, hasn't had his big break yet. I know it will come at some stage, but what, what is your secret to your long-term acting
3: success? Well, let me tell you, I think I was incredibly lucky. Seriously, because I started off, maybe I had about eight years with Belbert. I then had quite a time with Sullivan's then I did a lot of stage work, a lot of stage work, but big contracts, you know, or ones you could relax into.
1: There must be a secret, like to have such a long-term acting success, there must be, you know, some little pearls of wisdom you can give us.
3: Well, I loved it. I was absolutely useless at school, absolute dunce. Absolutely, sit in the corner, put on a, a, a conical hat. <laughs> At the age of fourteen, I left school, and you could do that in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was strange that you could do that, but you could. But there I was doing these jobs, and I I was smart enough to realise I don't want to do all this rubbish, sweeping floors, and so on, till the end of my life. I joined a choir because I could sing. I could sing. I had a reasonable voice, and I was taking lessons, singing lessons. And then that led into the local Gilbert and Sullivan Society, very Harold, I've got to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And then it led into an amateur uh, production. I was about 18 when I saw an ad in the paper for the Australian National Theatre auditions for a show called Student Prince. And so I went and auditioned and I got the job. Too easy. You see, my biggest trouble is I'm a lazy person. If I hadn't have been so lazy, I'm sure I would have joined all, like, you know, Guy Pierce and all those guys over in America and trying to, to do something big. But I was too lazy and everything happened. Uh-huh. No, I was. And everything happened to me far too easy. But you can't have been
1: lazy having
3: to learn all of those lines, Ian. Oh, but I enjoyed that. So... I started off in, in shows like that. They're very, very old shows, over 100 years old now, I'd say, like Student Prince and uh, oh, all those shows. And I knew I was a little bit above chorus. My ego told me that even before I found out because I was getting understudy to all the big parts. But I didn't want that. I wanted the big parts. I wanted somebody to understudy me. And so eventually I started to get small parts and I did them, and I think I did them well. There was only one that I knew I didn't do well. And then it grew and grew and grew, and I finally ended up with major parts. And Oh, no, I was very cheeky once. I was doing, I was doing a show at the Princess Theatre, and I'd forgotten what it was. I was sick of understudying people. So I went to the big boss, Garnet Carroll, from Garner Carroll Productions owning the Princess Theatre. And I said, God, I can't believe I did this because I was the meekest person. Uh, I said, "Uh, Mr Carroll, I think I'm better than that. I, I think if you give me a chance, I don't think you'll be sorry. You know what? He listened to me and he gave me a chance. Got a main part. And uh, it was a huge success. And from that moment, well, it's history. It, it, everything more or less fell into place. But once again, I, you know, where was the washing dishes to do acting classes? And, and so none of that. None of that. Didn't do any of that. I was ready to do it. But believe me, I was. You
1: say you don't know what the secret was, but we've just listened to you and it sounds like there's a lot of passion there, you had a lot of drive, and you had a lot of self-belief.
3: I needed to be convinced about the self-belief.
0: So Ian, you've seen hundreds of new cast members come through, neighbours over the years, Kylie Minogue and Russell Crowe, people like that. What advice would you give them
3: on their first day? Those new kids in SOAP, in my opinion, were not being handled correctly. They'd come straight from school. They had no life experience. They certainly had no acting experience. They weren't hired for their acting. They were They were hired for Bum and Tet, and, uh, and that was it, you know. may have to act too. All right with that? Yeah, 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 yeah,, I can do that. yeah, fine. They couldn't. Some of them couldn't. I, but, but some had a glimmer of what could happen. They could be. And the ones that really did, and there's my ego talking again, the ones that really, you really knew were gonna were the ones that came to you and say, Ian, I'm having trouble, or whoever they chose, uh, I'm having trouble seeing any sense in this scene. And I said, well, look, you're halfway there already because if you don't know why you're in the scene, you've got to get them to rewrite something to give you some clue of why you are in the scene. And you know what? Those kids had a right to say that because in lots of cases, they come to the swimming pool, they take off their outer gear to show off their new swimmers. And that was it. That's why they were in the in the scene. I said, no, find something else. Get them to give you something else. And I backed the kids up. I went to the writers and I... I would sometimes ask them, "Give this kid something to work with." I think, I, I think it, it'll be an investment that you'll be happy about later on. And uh, they did, they did, and they got their rewards. And it, it was good. It was okay. Let's be honest; it was good for my ego to see it happen. But somebody told me once, and this is what I would pass on to the kids: if you don't know how to do it, don't pretend. There is no such thing as a silly question.
1: So you're about to turn 83, Ian. What do you think are some of the good things about getting older? You know, what have we got to look forward to?
3: What you do is you take life a lot calmer. You don't sweat. You'll know not to worry. I used to to go to bed. Oh, did I say that? Did I say that? Oh, did I? What a fool uh, for saying that. I make sure I don't say that anymore. Uh, so what you do is you hold yourself back. But honestly, growing older, oh, I've tried to be kind about it, but look, my body, my, my arthritis gives me hell. Uh, I, I had a procedure in the hospital the other day because my pacemaker had started to wander around my chest, in fact, looked like I was trying to get out. Everything like that happens to you. you when you stand up, People say, oh, come on, Smithy, you can do it, you can do it. I said, I'm trying to do it, shut up, and stuff like that. We all make old people jokes. The only trouble about it is that I won't be around to see them when they're old. It <laughs> means I don't have very many old friends. No, I don't. Uh, I do have older friends, and I do relax in their company, but I try too hard to keep up with the youngsters. I really enjoy their company. They're lovely. And so many of them who uh, we were friends during Neighbours, they've made sure that they've stayed friends with me. And, I mean, some of them, I remember Ryan Maloney. When I went back to the show at one stage, I walked into the green room and he was the only one there lying on his stomach on the couch with this horrible haircut. (laughs) But he'd grown up with me. He'd grown up with me, and he—he oh, he saw me. His mouth open, his eyes wide, and he jumped. He said, "Oh, oh, Harold, Mr. Smith." I said, "Harold, Ian." I said, "Just Ian," and he said, "Oh." He said, "Can I get you something?" And you know, I remind him of that now. And good God, that man now has two children, a beautiful farm and the most beautiful house and the most beautiful wife. And this is how I've grown up with these people. Sometimes it makes me feel very old, uh, but I don't care. I've got the pleasure of his company. And, and, and he out and says that Jonathan Dutton is the same. He makes sure he keeps in touch with me, and, I, gee, I appreciate it. I really do.
0: If you think back to, to when you were 20, what advice would you give yourself now reflecting on life?
3: Well, I would embrace education. I'd tell myself to embrace education. I didn't. I didn't. I, 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 was, a, I was a dummy in school. When I left, I, I was the happiest 14-year-old in the world, and I started as a gopher in a warehouse in Flinders Lane in Melbourne took me a couple of years to realise, it took me about four years to realise that this is rubbish, this is a rubbish job. At that time, I ended up, they gave me a car and pushed me out and said, here, be a travelling salesman. I was rubbish at it, I, I, I was absolutely rubbish. I, I, I couldn't see the point in half the things they were asking me to do. And uh, so then my dear beautiful mother, who turned out to be my adopted mother, I didn't know in those days, saw an ad in the paper for the National Theatre and that's where it started.
1: The other thing that I wanted to just touch on, I know you've recently lost your beautiful wife, Gail, but married for 50 years, is that, is that correct? Is that how mm. long you were married for? Mm. So what, I mean, I don't know, it's a question I guess people would ask all the time about what, a, you know, the secret to a successful marriage. Is that, is that something you can shine a bit of light on for, for us that are, you know, still going through it?
3: Sure, sure. Sorry.
1: That's okay.
3: Um, Take your time. Oh, dear, I thought it was past this. It's terribly predictable, really. First, I would say don't confuse love with sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, Too many men do because the television tells them to confuse that, you know, boom, sex, oh, you must love it. You don't love it. All you want is sex. I'm not saying there isn't sex with love, sure, but don't automatically say it's one and the same thing. Find out first whether you like the girl and then work toward loving the girl. And then if you want to move in too quickly, but I certainly didn't move in too quickly. Uh, sex happened a lot later and here we are. I'm Gail, I'm sorry, I'm talking about sex. I'm talking about you and me. <laughs> it's part of life. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, we took things simply, and, but do you know what? We respected each other, and I have never had. Sorry. No, it's a beautiful answer. Look, also, I'm not a great fan of my gender, and uh, if anyone wants to argue with me, I'll just say, okay, I don't even care what news forecast you watch tonight on your television, but just sit down and watch it and tell me how many demerit points you'll give to different people that happened that night and then work out what gender they are. I'm afraid men are going to come out badly every single night. If a woman does anything bad, oh, boy, do we make a feast of that because we have to. That aren't many of them make very big errors. They don't. They just don't do it. I'll just say to men, yeah, sure. Pick a woman that has the same tastes as yourselves, but realise what a magnificent creation the average woman is today.
1: How do you feel that older people are received in Australia?
3: Oh, they're invisible. They're invisible. They are. They're invisible. I'm a prime example. I think I'm allowed to say that because I go in and I'm speaking to somebody and uh, and I can see that they and, and I'm not getting much attention at all. Not really, hardly there. Uh, but I see the sideways look. At, and, are you the guy that played Harold? Yeah, yeah, I am. Gosh, you've got a good memory. All of a sudden, I'm a star. All of a sudden, I'm being noticed all of a sudden. Why, why couldn't they have made me a little bit more important when they didn't know who I was? Am I being a pain in the butt?
1: No, you're not being a pain in the butt. <laughs> not at
0: all. No. This no is, we just had a question about wisdom, but you've, that's all you've talked for the last
3: 40 minutes, <laughs> oh. so we're not even going to go <laughs> there. <laughs> I don't, honestly, I, <laughs> no, I don't know. Is it wisdom? I don't think it is. I think it's just what I've picked up along the way. I think that's what wisdom is, isn't it? That's what is wisdom it? is. Oh, yeah. there, you yeah. Go. Yeah. God, there you go. There you go. I
1: think so. God, I'm yeah. smart. Yeah. <laughs> you are smart, and I think that. <laughs> It seems to me that you're unaware of how, um, fabulous you have been, how much advice you have got and how helpful you have been to, you know, many others starting out in your field. And, you know, your passion and, like I said before, your, your drive and self belief has, has got you to a stage where you've, yeah, you've played that many roles and that many
3: great jobs throughout the years. I've been so lucky. I've had wonderful experiences on the stage, in front of a camera, uh, on a microphone. I used to do a a play, one play a week for the ABC. They used to record plays, and you do an hour play for the ABC. Oh, and it was wonderful. It really was wonderful, but it all died out. But I wish actors today could have the same opportunity. It'd be wonderful.
0: So one thing I wanted to just quickly touch on was, was death. Like, how do you feel about
3: death? Is it something to fear? Look, I'm not frightened of it. I think I'm going to be lucky enough to go out with a heart attack or something. I do think because I've got heart problems. Um, and that would be wonderful. Uh, have I been... Good enough to be granted that i'd like to think so. nobody deserved to die the way Gail did it was shocking it was It was a slow cancer, and it was eight months from the time it was diagnosed to the time she died no i that i 'm scared of that i'm scared of. We both donated our bodies to the Melbourne University um, just to by way of <laughs> Gail made thing. she said i 'm going to be a very late. Age student, and, <laughs> and I rem- rem- remember that as they took her away to the, to the university. And that other very wise person said, I'm not scared of death, I just don't want to be there when it happens. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. it's one of the wisest things that have ever been said. It is. It's the experience of dying that I don't want to do, unless, of course, you get those few horrible seconds of a heart attack. But no, I'm, I'm not scared of death. I am an atheist, I don't believe there's anything after death. I'm enjoying myself far too much. I don't I don't want to die. Plenty of life
1: left in you yet, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to think so. I think there are still a few rivers I haven't fished. Yeah, yeah. I reckon there might be another stage play or two for you as well. I can't wait to come along. Oh. Maybe, the, maybe the National Theatre in Melbourne, hey?
3: Oh, I would love that. I would love to do one more stage play before I, I, I you know... Turn the lights down.
1: Well, I can't wait to come and watch you in it.
3: We'll have a coffee afterwards. Yeah, for
1: sure. Or a red wine. That's apparently good for longevity. <laughs>
3: well, red wine's supposed to help you live longer. Precisely. So maybe it's
0: time to- <laughs> Two drinks a day. You're going to live
3: forever. Yeah.
0: So I have, a, I have an 85-year-old father. Well, no, he's going to be upset if I say that. He's 83. <laughs> what advice would you give somebody young like me, 58? to help him.
3: He wants to live to be 150. So. <laughs> okay. Treat him as if he's got a brain. Ask him for advice occasionally. Don't pat him on the head as you're asking him for that advice. This man has spent a lifetime. This man, he worked to make money, to make sure that you have the advantage of this wonderful thing that you're doing right now. He has had a lifetime of life experience. He's a very clever man. He doesn't have to stand up against professors and doctors and so on and so on. He has stood up as a human being. Am I speaking rubbish? I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't think he's speaking no, I, rubbish I, I, at all. Actually, I'm
0: going to go home and give him a hug. So Do that. It was... Uh, it was Really great advice, and, and it's made me think maybe I have been patting him on the head when I've asked him for advice. Yeah, 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 right over.
3: <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, folks, yeah. look, thank you so much. It's been, uh, do you know what? You've asked questions that no one in my theatrical or television or acting life has asked. No. Thank you
0: been a pleasure from from our end. You might think there's been no wisdom, but that's I think that's what we've been getting. Oh, yeah.
3: thank you. So, thank you. you. You won't be able to talk to me soon. I'll be so big-headed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Ian. And um, I'm just going to keep my eyes peeled for that next little stage show that you're going to be in.
3: Mm. Thank you, team.
1: Wow, that was such a lovely interview. I just feel like giving him a big cuddle. What a really kind man. And I guess that kind of, you know, just brings back to me exactly the reason we're making this series is, you know, talking to the elderly and bringing, you know, shining a light on them. And it kind of saddens me that he doesn't seem to see what we see and the joy that he has brought to so many. And I hope that he reflects on this interview and just realises how, you know, amazing he has been.
0: Yeah. And, and does understand what a magnificent career he's had and the impact he's had on the lives of all those young actors and, the, you know, the lessons that they've taken from looking at somebody who treats acting so professionally. You know, he, he really looks at his career and, and has found that he can do something that he enjoys as well. Like joining those two things together is really what makes it magnificent.
1: And we've got a lot to learn from him.
0: Absolutely.
1: We're joined now by clinical psychologist, Melissa Levi, and now Melissa works and specialises in older people's mental health and dementia, and she's with us in the studio now to discuss some of our learnings from the chat that we just had with Ian, and I have to personally say that it kind of broke my heart to hear him talk about being invisible when I think he has so much to share and offer. So, you know, how can we teach others to not look at our elder generation, you know, as being invisible and, and to take some learnings from them?
2: Nikki, I think it was so powerful hearing Ian say that. And of course, the first thing that sort of Sparked in my mind is this isn't the first time I'm hearing mm. this. So many of my clients that I am privileged to work with, people who have, you know, rich life histories and matter so much to their family, to their friends, to their community. And yet their experience is very much of feeling invisible as they're getting older. I often, of course, in my role as a, as a clinical psychologist, I see older people that are struggling with things like depression, like anxiety. And sometimes when you really get to the core of those issues, it's that, that fundamental human need, that need to feel seen, that need to feel heard and to feel as though you matter, that that is no longer being met. And I, I suppose that's a really nice place to start, which is to say that doesn't change as you get older. Everybody still needs to feel valued. Everybody still needs to feel as though they belong and as though they have something to offer. And I suppose the beautiful upside of, of talking about these things is that that is where we plant the seed. So, the to changing the experience of our elders, the seed to challenging this invisibility experience is in conversations. I remember when I was at university, one of my professors said to me, never confuse style with substance. And I think that's what we're doing with our older generations. I think we have become, I suppose, obsessed as a society with, I suppose, the style and the promise of youth. Um, and perhaps as our style changes as we get older, we tend to misalign that with a lack of substance. But I have to tell you, it, my experience has been entirely the opposite, is that if anything, somebody's substance as a human being, their sense of self and what they have to offer only deepens and becomes richer as they get older. And the key for us as a society is to tap into that. I guess the keys there are firstly to nurture a genuine sense of curiosity. These are people who have led, you know, an entire life. Matt, when he gave you that beautiful advice about your dad, to take his advice, to take his wisdom without a pat on the head and to acknowledge the value of the school of life. I mean... How can you compare with somebody who's been around for 50, 60, 70, 80 years? That's not something, you know, that you'll find on Instagram. You know, it's one thing to find those, those stylized quotes on Instagram and think, oh, these are words to live by. It's quite another when they come out of the mouth of someone mm-hmm. who has lived through, you know, phenomenal experiences, hardships, joys, triumphs, disappointments over a lifetime. I think the first step is really around being curious. The second step is to take time and be patient. When I used to go visit my grandfather, he used to take me into his study and he would always say in his his (laughs) European accent, he would say, «Melissi, pick my brain, darling, pick Mm -hmm. my brain» and i remember at one point if i'm honest and i'm a bit embarrassed to admit it but it's the truth when i was in my late teens early 20s i was like oh i'd much rather be out with my friends i i don't want to think of more questions i don't want to hear more stories but in hindsight mm. that time with him fundamentally changed the course of my life. It taught me at a very early age what matters in life. It shaped my character. It shaped my values. It shaped the decisions that I've made in my life. And I think there is a growing consciousness around the world of this value. So, there are applications now, one of them is called SAGE, where younger people can go online and connect with older adults who want to share their specific story or their talents in a particular area. And the whole idea of the platform is that it's a technological way of sharing wisdom. Fantastic. And sharing lived experience, so I think a, another big part of it is to take the time and to be patient to slow down.
1: I think one hundred percent that that's the kind of things that we can you know share with our audience that they take. I'm taking from you, you know, they're being curious. Like I love speaking to you know my dad or my mother in law about when they were young and growing up, and and you know. So many things, you know, were different and then you see their eyes light up when they're, you know, or their brains ticking over and remembering and they get lost in the memories. So, it's a joy for them and it's a joy for me. And it, And, you know, to do that, you need to be patient and you need to have the time to be able to sit down and ask the questions and be ready to listen to however long it takes for them to, you know, talk about their life.
2: Absolutely. And, and I think also the time invested is well worth the rewards. It really is. Thanks, Mel.
1: It's been wonderful having you with us today and you are so full of wisdom and we are so looking forward to your input into our podcast to come. It's been
2: fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much for including me. Well, Matt, that's it for today's
1: episode of Oldie Goody. And for more information on anything we've discussed, head to oldiegoody.com.au.
0: Thanks, Nikki. I'm actually going to head out and have a glass of wine with my dad and I'm going to listen to his advice and not pat him on the head and actually probably pay attention to the things he's been trying to tell me for the last 58 years. I'm sure there's a couple of gems in there.
1: I think there's lots of gems when we when we chat to the elderly. I can't wait also to um yeah, get in touch with my dad and and mother-in-law and just, you know, get them to reminisce about the good old days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Now, to be first to hear our new episodes, don't forget to subscribe to Oldie Goody wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to reach out with any questions or even some topics that you'd love us to explore, you can email us at hello at
0: Thanks for joining us. Bye now.
3: See you later. Uniting is not just an aged care provider. It also provides services across New South Wales and the ACT, including preschool and early learning, foster care, disability support, mental health support, counselling and mediation, youth services, as well as housing and homelessness support. Uniting is here for you at every stage of life. To find a Uniting service near you, call 1-800-864-846 or go to uniting.org.